0: I, I just hit record.
1: Okay. yay! You're listening to Fidget, a BFRB podcast.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another Fidget episode. This is Jason and on this episode I've welcomed back one of my favorite new friends I've made on my BFRB journey. Maybe you remember her from episode 17, but Joyce joins us again and we talk about the accessibility of mental health and the mental gymnastics we jump through gaslighting ourselves. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so you were saying something, this topic that has infinite folds that were ever <laughs> unfolding.
1: Yeah, the topic of what I wish I knew about BFRBs when I first learned about BFRBs. I think like I have like a grocery list that is like, a million different things. And I think narrowing like part of part of that question is like the process of narrowing down what your top three, your top two, your top one would be. And like how that how that narrowing down happens, I think is interesting too because I think it shows a lot of like what you personally value. Um because everyone mm. I think will pick something different based on you know what's important to them what like haunted them the most in the past yeah mm. so I mean it would be really hard for me to even pick like both things, but,
0: right and, I, I, I mean let's be that's what this podcast is for let's begin yeah, that the process theme,
1: the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I guess like what's important for me when I first started learning about BFRB whether I knew it or not I think like that's the element of like being alone all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when, and feeling isolated and feeling like this is just me, no one understands. Um, I think that was kind of what bothered me the most at the beginning. Obviously, I was like not happy with how my hair looked with my trick and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Kind of the social
0: isolation aspect of it
1: was pretty hard. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but like so I, I mean, I've been following your little uh, uh, trick emergence diary email thing. Um, and you because at a certain point, you know, on Tumblr, you've mm. learned that other people had it. And then yeah. what, what what was that? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, did that help with the isolation?
1: I think so. Like, so that was kind of when I so when I first discovered the term trichotillomania the existence of bfrbs um it was on tumblr and i saw this picture this girl posted uh and she had like bald spots very similar to what i had and i was like oh that's weird Mm. that like like me and up until that point i kind of knew something was wrong but i didn't have like an urgency about it it's kind of like an ignorance is bliss type of relationship which I miss sometimes <laughs> like, oh, that, that was a good time when, when it seemed like a problem. Right. Um, so seeing that was really like enlightening, first of all, because I'm like, oh, other people have this situation happening for them. But I think I still needed to like talk to somebody and like meet somebody because it's mm. sort of real. I was like, this is just like, this girl from somewhere in the world i never like contacted her i never reached out i didn't have that like sense yet that i could reach out to her cuz yeah as like from that picture from learning the name that's when the google like deep dive happened yeah and then from there i think i just had so many questions and no outlet for it that was the other thing Like, you have all this information, you have all these questions, you don't know what's normal and what's not, because it feels like everything I read online was by, like, a doctor or, like, an organization or, like, a psychologist, Mm. like, nothing felt very personal, and I think Mm -hmm. I was missing that personal connection.
0: Right. Okay, and then that's when you went to the CBSN in-person group, right, in Toronto, or no?
1: Uh, That would have been, like, probably two or three years after... So two or three years of a lot of questions, two or three years of a lot of like, oh, like, okay, trying to process a lot of stuff by myself. Um, And then in my research, found the Canadian BFRB support network. Um, Yeah, hosted an in-person support meeting, which I attended for the first time, like when I was still in high school. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that, that was really like the turning point. It's bringing in that like, First, the social aspect and also like the realism aspect. I'm like, Mm. okay, you guys aren't just like doctors. You guys aren't just like, you know, specialists or something. You guys are just regular people with regular lives and regular problems. And having that like modeled for me was like made a really big difference because at the time it sort of felt like everything in my life revolved around my hair or fixing my hair. Or stopping pulling or just Mm. fixing myself. But then being able to see like living, breathing examples of like, you know, there is more to life than what your hair looks like kind of thing. Like you Mm -hmm. could hate your boss, you could be mad at your roommates, you could be like fighting (sighs) with your significant. Like there's so many fun problems we get to experience (laughs) in the human experience. Um, that it did make me like reevaluate the emphasis and like stress I put on my relationship with my hair at the time.
0: Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I think sometimes. So I I had this experience recently where I reached out to my university's. I I learned they had like an embedded counselor within the like engineering program.
1: That's awesome. And I'm
0: like, oh my goodness! And so I had the opportunity to meet with him, and we were chatting, and. I guess I didn't really fully know what I wanted to get out of the interaction um, until I like met with him and I started talking. And then I think I really, I realized that like, I I guess I have this feeling that there's this like 19 year old Jason out there now, like this version of Jason out there, you know, he's in first year engineering. There's like cuts on his hand. He doesn't know why, you know, he's picking his skin and I want to like, meet that kid and, like, kind of shake him a little bit uh, yeah. to be like, oh, like, I've learned so much. Like, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I've done. I think that's what I had in my mind going into that meeting um, of, like, ooh, there, there's this, like, 19-year-old version of Jason that I want to, like, I want to meet and, like, take under my wing a little, <laughs> you know? But in talking to this embedded counselor, I realized, like, not, it's an impossible task. I'm, I'm not going to say the word impossible, but it's like, I think I more I realize that that 19 year old Jason like wasn't ready to like hear, you know, like oh. that he wasn't in a place to like understand what his BFRB means. Yes. you know and, yeah. I, and I think that's something I'm struggling to reconcile with when well we were talking a little bit before we started recording but like sometimes I'll meet people and they have like you know I, I know they have a BFRB I, I tell them like this is you know I have a BFRB and I'm and I, I've sort of opened the door for them but they don't want to walk through it you know they're like ah oh, like the light is still too scary like I'm going to stay remain in the dark and I'm like okay <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a stupid, like horse to water analogy or something yeah um yeah it's it's exactly that and oh my god yeah I feel that so hard because if I like there are a lot of things that I kind of think about my BFRB there are a lot of like beliefs I have now and a lot of like you know things that help me that if I told myself when I was sixteen, can I swear on this podcast real
0: quick? Of course, please. <laughs> I would tell myself
1: to fuck yourself all the way to the moon. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> what do you mean, like, what do you mean being pull-free like isn't the move? Like that, I worked so hard for this. How dare you say that? Like, yeah, and yeah. tell myself to go screw off to the moon. Basically, um, first of all, being sixteen, that's just like, that's just what I. <laughs> that's yeah,
0: that's what what your happened. attitude to life.
1: Exactly. And like, yeah, there are just some things, some truths I wasn't ready to hear. And if that's me at myself, imagine like a random like stranger. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't even. uh, (laughs) I'd be too scared. I'm like, please don't say anything mean to me. But Yeah, I think like being able to recognize when people are ready, like will kind of be there for them. That's kind of. Mm mode I'm trying to take on because I think I had Mm -hmm. a very similar feeling when I was like doing my support group I was doing it bi-weekly and I kind of felt like man like I feel like I'm not making any progress not necessarily with like not necessarily that I had to like fix everybody in my support group but it felt frustrating that we would revisit the same topics and have the same conversation Mm -hmm. and I would kind of feel like man like Aren't we past this, guys? Like, you know, I want everyone Mm to evolve and keep learning. But it's hard because, one, like, it's not like there's an accountability aspect. That's fine. Um, But then also Mm. the consistency is kind of, you know, not always there, which is okay. And I think, like, I'm okay. I'm so okay with it now. But in the past, I would have kind of had an attitude and been like, well, like, why didn't you like come to the meeting and like, oh, like, it's too bad. You can't come consistently and really push that. But Mm. I guess I'm seeing by meeting so many people and talking to people over the years, like living with the BFRB, like that's just not accessible to them. Right. Right. And I think like being understanding of that, like I, I see some other people phrase it really nicely on instagram but yeah like your level of healing your like definition of like progress and stuff might not be accessible to other people it's not that like mm-hmm. they don't want do it. it's not like you know they can't do it because in my mind i'm like no everyone like has what they need to mm-hmm. themselves and grow in their own time but it's really mm-hmm. emphasizing man, the BFRB experience is so unique and Mm -hmm. I can't even begin to fathom, you know, the inner workings of another person. So I guess where that energy goes instead, is just like, well, inner work myself even harder. (laughs) (laughs) People don't feel ready to do that kind of work. I want to at least like model the work because when some people don't even know it's possible, to, like think about their bfrb to heal to talk openly about mm-hmm. it until they modeled by someone else and mm-hmm. like in my experience that's how a lot of like when i went to that support group it was modeled for me that mm-hmm. you like, hate your boss more than you hate your hair and i'm like damn like that's you know i wasn't in my like wasn't in my realm of like awareness yet but yeah right. i find that like it's, it's that, like, stay in your own lane thing helps with that mm. feeling. um Yeah. Right. At least
0: for... Yeah. I think I'm learning that, too, and, like, learning to respect that, like, like how, like, crushing a BFRB is just because it's, like, present there, like, every single day. And every day feels like a failure, basically. Right? Like, yeah. did I pick and today? The- I did. Okay. I'm a failure. Okay. But yeah. tomorrow, I'm not going to be a failure. Oh, failed again oh failed again oh failed again and then like that like over like years right and i think there's also i don't know there's almost a little bit of this like disservice where Mm -hmm. you know quote-unquote professionals come in and be like ah i'm gonna be the one to fix you and then ultimately they don't right because their methodology or whatever like I don't know. It just, it it kind of feeds into the expectation that you can stop rather than dismantles the expectation. And then, so ultimately it just leads to more disappointment. And it's like, well, I tried that one time, you know, I spent the $200 and Mm freaking it didn't work, you know? So like nothing's going to work. Right. And I think the accumulated effect of years of traumatizing ourselves
1: yeah that's what it is it's like it's trauma response like day in and day out and especially if you bring a professional into it um i think for a lot of people especially people who develop their bfrb when they're younger when their parents kind of like bring in a professional um of Mm. any kind it doesn't have to just be a psychologist i saw a dermatologist for my scalp because there was a point my parents just thought my hair was just magically falling out and i was like oh that would be nice (laughs) wouldn't it Uh, uh, i've I've seen like a chinese um like what do they call them like an herb chinese
0: yeah
1: like a chinese medicine like situation yes yes. and then when you when you experience that your bfrb can like outlast you know a paid professional imagine what that does Mm. to like your psyche right you're like damn like okay, if I can't do it and a professional can't do it, I'm stuck with this forever. And that's totally. like really dejecting. And it's really like, just like a sad time.
0: <laughs> yeah. kind
1: of involved. Um, Cause yeah, there's like a sense of hopelessness with it that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, what if I never like heal from this? What if I never stop? Um, mm. But I feel like, you know, in seeing kind of having that feeling, combined with like seeing other people just existing with their BFRBs as adults kind of modeled, mm-hmm. it kind of pushed me to like try to answer the question like, okay, well then what if I never stop? What if this never goes away? Um, mm. Is it going to be as bad as I think it will be? And I think, yeah. And like digging deeper in that question, you know, raise more questions, raise questions like, okay, well, what does my, you know bfrb and compulsive hair pulling what does that actually affect right it affects how i look
0: Mm. Mm.
1: how people perceive me it affects you know how i cope with stress and you know it's making like i love i love a good list so it's just making lists of like okay it affects like these different things what are the things that like it doesn't affect because they're Mm -hmm. i think uh, just like i journal a lot I like a good self-help YouTube video, you know, take the edge off the day. But what I found is that a lot of like my best qualities and my, my favorite parts of like my personality and like my interests and like who I am, mm. none of which are affected by how my hair looks. And so coming back to the question of like, okay, well, what if I never stop pulling for the rest right. of my life? Okay, well, at least my favorite parts of me, like the parts of me that like, You know, I'll, like, walk around the neighborhood and, like, carry cat food in my bag in case I, like, find cats. Like, that doesn't change. If my (laughs) hair (laughs) the part of me that'll, like, go, like, drive, like, 45 minutes out of the way because I want to try this, like, cool ice cream. That doesn't, like, my hair doesn't really affect that because it's, like, okay, Mm. I can drive, I can eat ice cream.
0: Those Mm. things, like, don't
1: Mm. change. Yeah, I think, like, from reflecting on the well what if this never goes away it did feel kind of reassuring that there are like okay well if it doesn't go away at least I still have these parts of my life that I enjoy and that like are nice and fun and you know Um, make me happy even if maybe I don't look the way I want to look you know right or maybe people don't perceive me the way I want to perceive them but then there are Mm -hmm. other ways I like address each of these like quote-unquote shortcomings um, I'm like mm-hmm. yeah, I just them all as like a little a little work they, they just need a little work around usually
0: right but I feel like it's like the, the, but there's like this anticipation of okay I'm not I don't look the way that I want to look yeah. and for that reason I can't go to ice cream because the cashier is going to comment on me you know yeah,
1: that's true yeah I think like it's it's amazing the the mental gymnastics I put myself through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I do. You know, as someone who worked at an ice cream store, I can tell you for a fact that I'm way more worried about soccer mom Karen bringing her soccer team Mm. and yelling at my ass (laughs) than I am (laughs) about. So, as an ad, as a spokesperson for ice cream people Mm. everywhere, I can let you know Mm. the scariest thing in an ice cream store are Mm. you know scary soccer moms and people who come. To the store two minutes before closing time and that's just ah, those people <laughs> like, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about ice cream stores that like inspire people to come like at the last possible <laughs> but it just happened so consistently that I felt like I was like a glitch in the matrix at one
0: point. Oh my like, gosh.
1: Real it keeps happening. <laughs>
0: I definitely, like, I remember on a road trip, we, like, Google mapped this ice cream place in, like, Penticton somewhere, and we were, like, 43 minutes out, and it would have closed in, like, 45 minutes, and we're, like, pedal to the meadow, (laughs) like, we gotta get to this ice cream spot. We made it! it. Like, they, like, they, it was, like, comically, they were, like, flipping the side towards closed, and we were, like, no! (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's the power of, like, How much people love ice cream it's their commitment that's the power of ice cream
1: yeah that's true i appreciate that
0: (laughs) (laughs) um okay okay i want to circle back to another thing um again this idea of i'm talking to 19 year old jason um i think something that's very real is how much i like gaslit myself into Mm. being like okay this is a big deal for me but no one else in the world cares kind mm. of like feeling yeah. i care about this but i'm afraid to ask for help because asking for help is also like taking up space and um like mm. i should just endure this suffering because the whole like comparative suffering thing is like this is su- i'm like suffering from this but like other people are suffering from worse things and so i can't ask for help because me mm. asking for help is taking away help from people who need it more. And this is yeah. like a stupid thing. That I should just be able to get over by myself. Like I should just be able to like. Stop yeah. picking my skin. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My god. <laughs> yeah I think like that. That element of <laughs> gaslighting. Is like so real. That was especially when. You know I didn't have. Any other points of reference. Right. Like what else did you. Like, did you have an awareness of, like, mental health, like, at that stage yet or or not yet? Because mine kind of, like, happened a little yeah. yeah, right? It's just, like, goose egg. All right. <laughs> yeah, I guess, like, that's what happens. No point of reference thing. And that's where, like, the education, the representation, the visibility part comes in. And that's, mm-hmm. like, a huge part of mm-hmm. what you're doing by reaching out to university people like specifically um Mm. yeah like maybe if 19 year old jason if the circumstance changed like maybe his situation wasn't gonna change right still gonna gaslight himself Mm. he's still gonna feel all these feelings but like maybe if the circumstances change where like you had more visibility of like mental health and like other people Mm. struggling and models of other people getting help i think that's Mm. like a like for a long time i wondered like why why do i feel like physically nauseous when i have to ask somebody for help like i don't right. think that's a normal reaction right um you know, comment comment on this podcast let me know if that's normal or not i don't know
0: <laughs>
1: it was like i was like yeah this feels like a very extreme reaction for a very like normal thing that people you know that people should be able to do and it's for very simple things too like when hmm. i lived Just need someone to help me, like, carry a box. I feel like I shouldn't do it. Um, but then Mm. I, what was I watching? Watching something, it was related to like healing your inner child and doing inner child work. And yeah, the question that stood out to me a lot was she asked, like, well, how was this modeled for you, like, as a child? And I kind of mentioned this like modeling Mm. thing it's like, how did someone demonstrate? how to ask for help, for example, as a kid. And I'm like, they didn't. <laughs> what do you mean? Like my parents, I know my parents never asked for help from, you know, I'm sure they did. I didn't see it. And I didn't, they didn't ask for help from me. So I didn't know how to do it. And I think like, yeah, from that, it forgave myself a little bit. It's that element of like,
0: mm. you know,
1: you can't be this hard on yourself, because you don't know what you don't know. And when you're 19 or when you're, you know, how old was I? I was probably like fifteen or sixteen. You don't know anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're just like so small Mm. used. Um, and that I can't like fault my past self as much as I I think I used to like blame myself for a lot of things. Um, like you should have just been able to stop, you should have gotten this under control, um, you should be able to deal with it. Like lots of people deal with problems, like Mm problem but like no one ever wakes up one day knowing how to fix a problem you're not like born into the world knowing how to fix problems you mm-hmm. do what's like for you right and if you don't have a model or something as crucial as the skill of asking for help then yeah that puts you kind of in a pickle mm. and a pickle that like I can't I try not to fault myself for even though sometimes it slips sometimes you know it's not a perfect process but that's kind of what I would, like, offer to 19-year-old Jason.
0: Right. You know, I think it's funny. Like, some people, like, they, they see suffering as, like, a value.
1: Suffering as a virtue. It, like, makes you, like, better. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, Have you heard this thing where, like um like, during COVID, I feel like corporations have sort of like made us like oh like we need to be resilient right now and like oh this this you have shown so much resilience in like being able to like endure this like difficult situation and it's like good for you and like we we all need to like step up to like survive this thing unprecedented we're like giving a pat on the head but it really it's coded as yeah we're not gonna pay you for overtime right like, <laughs> no one's getting paid for overtime so you're not gonna get paid for overtime yeah. God. which is like kind of messed up and and i think that same messaging rewards people for like oh yeah you're stressed everyone's stressed right now but like we're gonna really we're, like we're gonna hand out like candy for the ones who like aren't complaining like you know like they're the ones who yeah. deserve the help is the less you complain, the more help that you should get or something like that, you know? And so I think I had it twisted in my mind that like, I'm suffering, but like in me, in being able to endure the suffering, that that's the thing that makes me the good person. And like asking for help is like, Oh, like again, admitting weakness. And it's just like, oh. Like, the incentives are backwards, you
1: know? And also, like, where is, like, if you think about it in that situation, like, who is the incentive coming from? Like, Hmm. as, as, like, you're the 19-year-old self, by holding in your feelings and by never sharing your BFRB, are you actually even rewarding yourself for doing the right thing? And most Hmm. cases, like, no, I don't do anything. I just, like, want to feel that, like, you know, I'm doing the right thing, that, like, people, the thing that people want me to do. Yeah, so it's like, okay, well, who is handing out the candy in this situation? Right? Mm, oh my yeah. gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well well, um, you know that like marshmallow test? Okay, no. <laughs> the it's like I think it's this famous experiment that has since been debunked, but basically they have kids and they like put a, marsho- a marshmallow in front of them. And they're like, okay, if you don't eat it for five minutes, we're going to give you two marshmallows. Oh, yeah. and, okay. uh, they're like, yeah. The kids who can resist their temptation don't eat the marshmallow. Apparently they like follow them like later in life and they are the ones who like are quote unquote more successful. And so we're taught this idea of like, oh, delay gratification, like those with more willpower and restraint and discipline will go farther in life but like oh. i hear that that study was like completely squashed but it's just in this like narrative um mm. this like cultural narrative everybody wants to believe that those with more discipline those who can endure more are going to mm. go further but frankly it's just false <laughs> it's so
1: false and like on the point of delayed gratification i wonder if there was this like kind of unconscious like negotiation happening where
0: mm-hmm. I like
1: I could imagine myself saying this where I would say something like, Well if you don't tell anyone now and then you fix your problem imagine how like cool it's gonna look when you could say down the line and I fixed this all by myself and had nobody to help like what a flex that would be but like <laughs> what a flex that like it like wouldn't happen. <laughs> like maybe that's the that's what we're like we're waiting for that gratification that like oh I overcame this thing like on my own um right but then like you know once you say that who's that where's the candy coming from (laughs) where's the candy coming from yeah it's like are you gonna like pat yourself on the back for it are you gonna like are you gonna want everyone else to be like yay you did it you overcame things and didn't tell us about it along the way. Like, <laughs> it sounds kind of, and I think that's one of the reasons I like, I like talk myself out of hiding, like my BFRB, basically. I was like, mm. okay, up until this point, we've spent X number of years doing, going the route of like, not telling anyone about it. I haven't gotten any candy from this. I haven't gotten any of sense of gratification. Well, if this isn't working for me, What if I just, like, try the other route and just try telling people? Mm. Um, Because one of, like, one of the things that pushed me a little bit more um, to be open with, especially with my friends, was that they would be able to open up to me about anything in their life, any of their struggles, mental health included. My visibility was increased at that point. And I always felt like, you know, I could open up to them about anything, except for talking about my hair talking about bfrb stuff that was like off the table non-negotiable and it felt kind of unfair that like it was Mm. it was kind of a trust thing like it felt unfair that they trusted me so much with their Mm. lives and their inner workings and their struggles it almost felt like because I wasn't willing to share I wasn't Mm. I like I didn't trust my and then I was like, but that's not true. I do trust my friends. And then cycled back into like, okay, well, why am I hiding this from them then? I know it doesn't have to be so like like a, like a transactional kind mm. of situation, but that that's like where my brain was, especially when I, you know, opened up about it on Instagram specifically. There's a lot of people I just like mm-hmm. associated with suddenly knew. But yeah, that's kind of where I was at. And then, and then I think from that, I did feel that, like, oh, the, the sense of trust that I could, like, build with my friends felt more gratifying than it was to, like, hide it, basically.
0: Yeah. Right. Back yeah.
1: to the candy thing. <laughs> where are my, where are my pellets? My little hamster pellets. I'm just a little hamster trying to get through life in this experiment, like.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so... We're, we're trying to, we're trying to reconstruct, like, what are these like core values that we're trying Mm -hmm. to like drill into tell our past selves? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, let's say your BFRB never goes away. Mm -hmm. How does that actually interrupt your life? You know, Mm -hmm. like think about, yeah. What does your BFRB affect and what does it not affect? like this like gaslighting or like all the messaging that we heard about like asking for help is false (laughs) Um,
1: yeah yeah and it's like okay where does that come from it's kind of um two things whenever i'm like interrogating mm -hmm. a a certain belief right like for example the okay asking for help makes you weak asking for help make you an inconvenience okay fine (laughs) every time i hear like i have a thought like that i always start out with like fine, you believe it, then what? Um, Because my therapist says I need to practice affirming my feelings. So (laughs) Mm. (laughs) that's one practice for that. Um, Yeah, when you have like a value, a set of values in front of you, questioning like, where does that come from? And then for from our conversation, we talked about like, was it modeled for you? Was it not? Like, how was it modeled for you looking at that? um, Where does it come from? And then how does that serve you is also a question that i like because i think it's very normal to have beliefs that like Mm. don't serve you doesn't mean like you need to i don't know like just because you have a belief doesn't mean it's like good for you all the time
0: right and i think it's like so i was chatting with someone last week about like how much we're in like these like bubbles of like just in our like social groups we're we're just in these like weird bubbles and we get I think really like disconnected from reality
1: yeah. because
0: I think within the bubble everyone believes the same thing, right? It's this echo chamber. We all we're there together because we're joined in with a set of values and beliefs. And I think one way that our values serve us is it, like, helps us, like, belong, right? And I think that was a really scary part of me, like, kind of pursuing my mental health journey, was mm-hmm. I needed to step outside. I needed mm-hmm. to start believing things that, like, my friends weren't believing anymore. Ooh, that's hard. You know what I But, like, yeah. So in me trying to come up with some new values, new beliefs, it was, like, it was the doing the opposite of serving me, right? It was working against me. Because now all of a sudden, this, this like limiting belief was serving me in that it like kept me limited and it kept me in my little bubble where I was safe. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you have any thoughts about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess like you were safe in one way. But then like, are you saying that you were safe in your bubble because you were like socially included? And then by pursuing your mental health journey, the social safety net was kind of gone, like, because you're diverging on your own?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Mm -hmm. Because I feel like from that, like, like I said, there are different, like, there are different versions or different types of safety. So you were definitely, like, socially safe when you were with your friends, you know, that, like, friend group at the time. But then what about, Mm -hmm. like, your... Logical safety to like, you know, address when you're having a hard time or your safety of feeling like, oh, I can like be honest about what I'm feeling. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to like, well, do you value like social safety? And it's okay if you do, because if you value it, you value it. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you just have to like, commit, right? If you value your social safety, that's okay. Stay, you know, stay with the group. And that'll help mm-hmm. you like, know grow in different ways but you know if addressing your mental health and kind of feeling like a new kind of safety is something that you'd be like open to and something that you think would help you it's it's okay to I think like whenever we I imagine like going outside my comfort zone like that phrase I always imagine Mm -hmm. I'm like 50 feet like down the yard from my comfort zone but the reality is usually we're like like you know a couple steps over (laughs) a couple steps to the side a couple more steps like most people are like risk averse keeps us safe keeps Mm. us chill and won't like take such a big step all at once I guess like in retrospect you probably look back and you're like man like that was a lot of growing that I had to do Mm. but I think like you kind of found like a new safety net you know and then in like in pursuing your mental health journey i'm just using social safety as like the example here but in pursuing mm. your mental health journey you've kind of like rebuilt your social safety net where now right. like there are people where you know you can you, you can have it all kind of thing <laughs> yeah best of both worlds
0: totally and I think that's what like meeting other people with a BFRB gives me is like oh I can not I can ditch all my old friends but like there is this element of I can construct sort of the yeah the friendships that serve me in that way right and I guess maybe that's how I want to preface it is like my old friends were serving me in other ways but not necessarily with my mental health and so now in meeting in talking to real life people with real life bfrbs uh irl bfrbs um yeah it's like oh we can also be friends and yeah. this we're is not how
1: just like we're not just like you know the the what's it called the abstract on somebody's dissertation yes it's like no real like some of us you know And yeah, we're real and we're here and that's, yeah, Mm. I think part of like what I really needed as well, for sure.
0: Whoa. um, And I think something that you were, you were saying there is like, well, you were talking about you're in these support groups and kind of the, the conversation was, you were revisiting the same conversations Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And I really like that phrase you threw out there about like how mental health is like accessible and like, the level of accessibility that you've afforded yourself is different from like yeah what what how other people have found mental health accessible i i, I really want to talk about that and like I, I guess like i hear this word like plateauing you know and I i think uh, you know have you like plateaued on your bfrb journey is this like you know we're working to improve the, the degree to which we're able to manage our BFRB. But is this it? Like, what if there are further plateaus, but you know, you're just okay with your plateau now? I don't know. Do you have thoughts? About I that? saw a really cool
1: reframe specifically about plateauing, <laughs> actually. And yeah, I guess, I guess, kind of to the thing you just mentioned, like, is there going to be more plateaus? Yes, like always. <laughs> of course, there will be. Um, and then also the idea that, like, plateauing being a bad thing you know you know me I'm always on that like capitalism support group grind (laughs) like every support group I'm in is just a thinly veiled like complain about capitalism group at this point (laughs) um but (laughs) really where like like why is plateauing such a bad thing why do we always need to be like improving and like elevating and like you know gaining more mental health points i don't know like how people are operating right. now um so questioning that was like you know it was it was a good step for me because i would question like why is plateauing being a bad thing but then it would also push me to ask myself like okay maybe i'm plateauing in like a physical sense maybe i feel like mm. my hair is the same for like years and years and years because i haven't mm. been able to grow my hair past a certain length but like do you know do any of us only physically exist Ew. most of us have you know an emotional self most of us have like an intellectual self most of us have different like forms of ourselves that you can't like physically look at but are still growing and changing um so whenever yeah whenever I feel that urge to judge myself for not making the progress I want to make um mm. yeah I force myself to be like, well are like are you making progress in other departments? I call them departments in my brain,
0: <laughs> so like <laughs> the Ministry yeah, of Mental health
1: Ministry of Joyce's yeah psyche it's it's a she's unionized <laughs> <laughs> well, they're unionized they they're working hard up there, but yeah, it's like maybe I do have the same haircut I've had for the past like fifteen years because I couldn't grow my hair longer than a certain length. But how mm-hmm. I feel about my BFRB is, like, so different, how I talk to myself about my BFRB, how openly mm-hmm. I can talk to others. Like, there are a lot of different ways to measure success in mm-hmm. mental health in BFRBs. And it kind of goes back to that, like, visibility thing we talked about. Like, if, you know, there was a point where the only narrative around trichotillomania was pull free challenges and being pull free and you know oh i'm finally pull free like see you later tumblr i'm out of (laughs) here like like you're dead or something like okay thanks but Mm. see ya but that was the only like idea i had of like a goal to achieve right so yeah i hope like by listening to this you know people can just question themselves and yeah maybe consider like different goals <laughs> uh a yeah. goal that doesn't have to be physical a goal that like you've maybe already achieved I think the people really like underestimate the fact that you like saw like a podcast episode about BFRBs and had the sense to like I want to click this and I want to learn something and I want to mm. hear some people talk about this like that's something that was not like even possible for me at one point Um, right and that's already like it's huge and sometimes like kind of the mean way to say it is I'm like grasping for straws but I'm like whatever like I'll grasp for as many straws as I want like leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah yeah yeah, I think um, this is again rolling the conversation back a little bit for the longest time I didn't even realize what was going on My on with my hands was a mental health issue yeah when you're talking about like representation with mental health like that was so like dissociated like i kind of like maybe i like vaguely understood the connection of when i'm more stressed i will pick my skin but like i was still like oh it's a skin condition right because i think all the like all the people telling me there's something wrong with your skin use lotion use lotion use lotion and i'm like No one ever said, "Oh, have you considered, like, you know, like, uh, (laughs) saying working less or whatever, right?" Like, and I think there's just this, like, capitalism underpins this assumption of everyone just works as hard as they can, endures everything, um, and no one has any problem. Never plateaus, yada yada yada. And along those same lines, I I didn't even know that, like, yeah, my me picking my skin was related to like my anger issues or whatever or like my inability to express anger um
1: yeah i think like were you there where did i hear this i don't know i just hear things and i will relay them to you but no (laughs) you um yeah we had a previous conversation about how having a bfrb whether it's skin picking hair pulling nail biting whatever it's kind of like a non-verbal communication of like you to yourself. Um, Mm. And like, it's like, okay, well, I don't know how to process anger issues because it's never been modeled for me, probably. So I'm just going to do this instead and hope that exterior Jason can like do something about it. That's interior talking Mm. to exterior. Like, all right, Mm. here's the signal. Like, good luck with that. Essentially. Oh man. But yeah. And then like, uh, yeah similar similarly with my hair you know that's why I went to a dermatologist I got prescribed like steroid cream for a while and then I kind of used it for like a couple weeks and then like even admitting to mice like even though I was the one pulling out my own hair I still wanted to believe that this was a scalp issue this was a hair issue that this wasn't mm-hmm. something I had to address any further than using a steroid cream and getting better um Mm -hmm. yeah because that's like it's it's easier Mm to like why would i want to go the harder route but then the harder route is like the real route Mm -hmm. when did like how did you make that connection then like if you were in like okay skin issue for so long Mm -hmm. what kind of tipped you over the scale um to realize it was more than that
0: like, literally, it took me nine years, and oh. it wasn't until I met with Adele, and we had the, like, our, like, proto-fidget support group, we were just chatting. I met her in 2020, so... What? Like, how? Like, through Facebook. Like, she posted about her trick. I am mean, like, oh my... It, it she just did a general Facebook post to the world. And was like, I have trick. My God, balls of steel. That's what that is. (laughs) Bless her. (laughs) So so, anyways, it was only talking to her through that. I'm like, oh wait, this is not a skin issue. (laughs) Like, you know, but like I went to so many professionals and they never once like kind of opened that, like the introduced that possibility. And yeah that's it's like, like man, what a failure of the entire system
1: whoa that what what like a shortcoming of like professional education like right now I mean the fact that you meet with therapy professionals who are you know they're eager to like learn about it, but so many people have that experience like doctor dermatologist, um hairstylist, oh like you name it someone who's been there like you know probably like I feel like it's an overwhelmingly negative experience (laughs) um like for so many people and yeah Mm -hmm. it's a shame that like that visibility isn't there but then you consider like the the built-in like shame that comes with having a BFRB that like Mm -hmm. It's the same thing we were talking about, like, oh, well, I can fix this. I can deal with it. I don't want to inconvenience other people. I think maybe because people don't see it as, like, a health condition, the way that they see, like, having diarrhea. Right. If I think about it like that, if I, like, had diarrhea for, like, nine years and didn't tell anybody,
0: Hmm.
1: like, I would be, like, a clown. Like, that's so silly because... You always ask for help when you have diarrhea, but then Mm. when it's something I don't know, like psychological or mental, it just doesn't translate the same or something. Like there's Mm. something about why why we're so hesitant to talk about like our mental health versus like physical health. But maybe if you just saw mental health as diarrhea all the time, (laughs) maybe that's the key. We all just have diarrhea. (sighs) Surprise, everybody. Surprise, yeah, yeah, surprise.
0: Chronically.
1: On your diarrhea. Yeah. Your mental diarrhea. Whatever.
0: Yeah, mental <laughs> diarrhea. I love it. So um, I have another story to share. Um, I went to the dentist a few weeks ago and uh, they they gave me... So apparently something I've been doing is I've been like brushing too close to the gum lines my like, a- gums have been receding. Yeah. And then... As a part of that, uh, they're saying, oh, I'm also putting some force on my teeth. And so what is happening is my teeth are like bending outwards. And then kind of like where the gums were previously covering my teeth, they're like Mm -hmm. buckling a little bit. So they're called abfractions for any any dentists out there. <laughs> um I've been getting abfractions and they're like, oh you know, like it's sort of exposing the root. Let's do some like preventative things. And so they they added some fillings in my abfractions. They're like, it's not exactly a cavity, but like, you know, same principle. I'm like, okay, sure, yeah, like-, like whatever, do it. I, I trust you. You're you're my dental professional, right? Yeah. Um so that was in like February. And then I just went to the dentist like maybe two weeks ago. And they're like, oh shoot, like uh, Jason, you're, you're fractions. They like popped out. And I'm like, what? Ooh. I don't. And then like the dentist and the hygienist, they're like scratching their heads. And it, it, it's like, well, like, do you grind your teeth at night? And I'm like, I, I get, you know, maybe, I don't know. And they're like, well, okay, I think we're gonna have to get you fitted for a mouth guard. And like, um, and then I was, you know, like, what sports do you play? And da, da, da. And then they're like, Oh, do you like clench your teeth during the day? And I'm like, basically like 24 7 like my (laughs) i'm i'm like like never not like just like my jaw's not hardened right i get these like weird like stress bubbles maybe this this being a bfrb podcast like i have like these like bubbles like around my ears that just like i don't know i think is from me just like always clenching my jaw
1: like 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 is it like popping your jaw or is it like the air like in your ears it feels like
0: no, it, it it's almost like a pimple, um, oh, but, like, it's like just, like, feeling. by my ear. Um, oh. I don't know. Anyways, so I've, I've described this to my dentist before of, like, I have a BFRB. I pick my skin. I have these bubble things. And then, you know, I was trying to explain to them, but my dentists were, like, yeah, 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 okay, but, like, I think we should get you a night guard and, like, you know, grinding your teeth at night, like it's strange that like your abstraction popped out and I'm like in my head, it's like, well, I kind of like, I know I clench my jaw. Um, okay, but they yeah. weren't like really understanding like the magnitude to which I like pick my skin. And that's like, I, I know this is like anxiety related, you know? Um, but they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until like, I, I, I think they were like nodding along, but I don't think they were really understanding the extent to which i like pick my skin and so in me now like having a i'm like much less ashamed i'm more open about it i like pulled up a picture of this one time when i had like a lot of cuts on my hand and i showed it to them Mm -hmm. and it was only when i showed them the picture that my hygienist was like whoa like that's actually like really scary like (laughs) i i had no idea and I think it just goes to show that like I'm still in this mode of like like gaslighting myself. Like I'm still hmm. in this mode of like I do this thing, but like it's not that big of a deal, and like da da, 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 da. To, to the point where now my dentist is like, oh, like he he like doesn't take me seriously, but it's just like I don't know how to advocate for myself. But like yeah. I don't know. It's just it's so it's this weird disconnect. And it's only when he sees, like, the damage on my teeth of, like, oh, wow, like, your teeth are, like, fracturing because you're, like, grinding your teeth so much. And they're like, wow. yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> you, you should see the other stuff that, like, I'm doing to my body.
1: Totally, totally. And I think, um, yeah, the the patient advocacy, like, idea of that, it's not, I think, most not in most people's radars. But for people who, like, have chronic health conditions, for people who experience chronic pain, it's, like, it's literally that. Health professionals don't believe you until there's some kind of physical manifestation. Because in their mind, if you physically can't see it and if it's physically not affecting you, it's not a big deal. So that's why, like, mm-hmm. whenever I have bald spots or, like, thinning hair, it's a physical manifestation of, like, my inner workings and stuff. Um, mm-hmm and I don't know, maybe that's just, like, a shortcoming of, like, health education or something, Um, because in my mind, like, it's the stuff that, yeah, like, if it's something you can't see, I would be, like, even like, I think you should be more concerned about it, because, you know, Mm -hmm. there are people that show so many signs, or not show so many signs, but, like, experience like, depression and anxiety and look perfectly normal functioning, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we can hide it well or they're like high functioning anxiety um but until yeah until there's like physical proof of it you know it's like yeah like they can't they don't believe us um but mm-hmm. then what I know is it like a shortcoming just that they don't have the awareness that like maybe mental or psychological things affect us physiologically and stuff um, mm-hmm. I know or just that we need some kind of way to communicate like more effectively um, that there's something going on and I need your help because you're a professional Um, but you Mm. even said it oh like yeah I like you know mess me up do whatever you gotta do to my teeth because I trust you you're Mm. a professional Um, but then we're also like the professionals of like our own body and should be able to you know advocate and I think like the process of advocating for yourself, it feels so uncomfortable because it's literally going against everything you believed in the past. It's like taking up space. It's like getting the, you know, getting the doctor's note for a consultation with a specialist. It's like taking up more of the doctor's time. It's like asking them questions. It goes against like all the fears that Mm -hmm. you had. Um, but like, you know, you're, you're out there and you're doing it and it's definitely like a practice. Um, -hmm. Uh, no, whenever I have like BFRB conversations, I, I appreciate whenever people mention that doing something as a practice kind of opens you up for like mistakes, kind of opens you up for like, well, I'm I can like in theory advocate for myself all I want, but at the end of the day, the doctor could still say like, eh, hey, you're fine, <laughs> and like but- pull it. Like, I can't control that, right? I can't control. Um, like other people's reactions to what I say, Mm. um, but like you know, I think the fact that you're trying is like huge and go working so directly against your past fears. Like 19 year old Mm. Jason would would be very proud of that, (laughs) be like, Yeah, Jason, you go get them. (laughs) I gotta
0: go study for my (laughs) engine. Um, uh, on on that theme, like I heard, uh, Someone was telling me the other day about how, like, how much we are socialized to, yeah, like, fit inside the little box and, like, be obedient. And within school, like, when we think about, like, what school teaches us, like, school doesn't really teach us to, like, learn necessarily. Like, school doesn't teach you to be a creative, independent thinker. School sort of teaches you to just check all the boxes, like, do the SAT, like, study for the test, Um, be obedient. Um, and even as early as like kindergarten, like the thing that they prioritize is like, uh, perfect attendance. Right. So like you always show up to school on time and you're never like, don't be sick. Like being sick is a liability. Like being sick means it compromises your perfect attendance record, which like, and and so you gaslight yourself it's like am I sick how sick am I is this worth like you know compromising my perfect attendance no like I'm gonna go to school and then like that's just what we believe from the age of five until yeah
1: Yeah. not like undoing that in a day right and Mm -mm. um I feel like living with a BFRB feels like you're like testing your you're testing your trust every day and then you're failing that test basically cuz your body is trying to be like okay I don't want to pull and that's like you kind of establishing the rule like do not mm. pull do not pick so when your body mm. like breaks that rule and picks or pulls it's like oh, I trusted you to like do this for me mm. why mm. won't my own body listen to like what I want to do um and mm. you kind of mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Ah, what did we talk about? Anyway, it was something related to, like, listening to your body and, like, breaking, like, having that sense of self, I guess. Mm.
0: Um,
1: You're basically, like, reinforcing this belief that, like, okay, I don't have any control over my picking because I've done this for so many years. And then you're reinforcing the belief that, like, I also can't trust myself when my body sends a signal for something. Um, Mm. My body like for a long time didn't understand like the signal for hunger like correctly Mm. it would kind of like misfire and like not fire on time and then i would go from like perfectly fine to like immediately starving and Mm. i don't have any scientific data to back this up but from my personal observation like i feel a lot of parallel between my bfrb and like that like Mm. if my like if I'm on one hand, I'm trying to be like, okay, I don't want to listen to the signal of like, don't pull, don't pull, don't, like, or the sig- Oh, what is it? I'm trying to ignore the signal that wants me to pull my hair all day, yeah. every day. But I can't just isolate that signal from all the other signals that are happening. So in my mm-hmm. mind, I think my like pulling signal and my eating signal kind of got right. like pulled up. And for a long yeah. time, I think. like, didn't I couldn't like if someone asked me like yo are you hungry do you want to go eat I like wouldn't know what to say because I couldn't Mm. tell and because I didn't trust myself I'm like I don't know if I'm actually hungry right now I don't know if I'm actually full while I'm eating you know it seems like such a basic like thing but it's something that I probably took for granted Mm. (laughs) like oh yeah being able to trust Mm. the signal sends is such a like such a gift what a what a treat to be able to like have a signal what a like,
0: treat. oh my goodness
1: oh my god like a luxury um yeah that like I could trust like my body would be like okay we're hungry and I can just be like okay time to eat <laughs> and um yeah yeah it's like the mixing up the signals was like that's so, anyway, yeah, your story about, like, what school reinforces and, like, what right. we, like, the trust that we have in other people, in ourselves, can be so confused. Um, especially, right. like I said, we're processing this stuff when we're, like, in our teens, essentially, um, in early adulthood. Like, how are we supposed to do anything <laughs> while balancing, like like, no one exists like exclusively to fix their bfrb right we're all always dealing Mm. with other things too um and that's Mm. yeah kind of that accessibility thing comes back in it's like yeah maybe maybe like trying to improve my bfrb situation while i'm like applying for like 20 jobs a day isn't accessible so if i pull my Mm. hair a little more like i kind of let it slide because Yeah. We can't like, we can't just like exist in this bubble. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whoa. 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 Yeah. I love, I, I resonate so hard to what you're saying about the like food signal. Like I would, I think how I've like learned my way around it is I don't even, I don't even trust the signal of hunger. I just, like, override it. And I, like, I have this schedule that I stick to no matter what, or, like, quote-unquote. I, I, I try to keep this routine so I don't even have to rely on the signal. I just know, okay, whenever whenever I wake up, I eat. At lunchtime, yeah. I eat. Dinner, I eat. And I just don't even look at the signal, right? Like, I don't wait for the signal to fire. I'm just like, well, I'm going to eat, 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 right? And I think...
1: But it might not be accessible for someone to, like, recalibrate their signal. Like, maybe Mm. it is easier to follow the schedule and like don't ask too many questions.
0: Right. Yeah. But, but I think, well, so what I was going to share is like when I'm off like my routine, it's really hard for me because like, I don't even know if I'm hungry. Like, is this what hunger feels like? Like hunger is so unfamiliar to me now that it's like, uh, you know, and then like when the hunger signal fires, It's like, it's too late, Jason. Like you can't possibly find food now. It's just, you're in like, like shutdown mode, right? Your blood sugar is dropping and it's like, um, yeah. So, so I think I have like this deep fear of being hungry because I think my body just shuts down immediately because I don't know how to like preempt that signal. And I don't know how to be like, mm, I'm probably going to be hungry in an hour. So let me start cooking. Right. It's just like, ah, you know, um, um, so, so I think that's crazy. And you know, I, I think something similar to sleep, like my relationship to sleep is probably <laughs> like
1: sleep is the other one. I forgot to mention it, but so glad that you did. Ah, <laughs>
0: It's like I don't even know when I'm tired, and like I (laughs) like like is this feeling what I'm is is this thing that I'm feeling is it tired? Like should I go to bed? But then I try, and then I can't go to bed because like my my brain is still like spinning like twenty four like at like two thousand RPM. So it's like, well, my body. said you were tired but now I'm like laying awake for three hours on the bed and you're not falling asleep so it's not tired you know and so now I have like this like mistrust with like yeah. what is the signal telling me and then like when I wake up it's like oh now I feel tired but like now you gotta go to work <laughs> so yeah so that's weird you know I, I think we could I could blow this out for literally every single emotion like anger is this you know am Am i I angry was that person racist to me i don't know is this anger no you know like i don't think it is you know like i can't tell yeah
1: (laughs) hard to tell especially because we've reinforced this like idea that like well like don't worry about it basically just only have the good feelings but then like you know it's kind of a cheesy saying but like you need the bad emotions to have the good ones and i think this is such a perfect example of it like i need to be able to like feel freaking hungry when i'm hungry when i want to eat um Mm. but i can't like what is it yeah like i can't have that and not and just exclusively get rid of like oh my urge to pull because it's all just signals it's just my brain like kind of firing off like whatever it wants and for Coping with stressful situations, for dealing with difficult emotions, the signal it fires off is it's time to pull some hair. Like, that's all it is. And one thing, like, like sometimes I feel like I sound like kind of clinical, and it's like so scientific and so like I don't know, like blunt. But then I'm like, you know, clinical and it's scientific. Like, clinical stuff like doesn't hurt my feelings, and that's kind of more Mm. important. I mentioned earlier, I remember saying that like, you know, my therapist told me I have to practice affirming my feelings. Um, that includes the feeling of hunger. That includes the feeling of anger, of sleepiness. Like Mm. there was a situation where I was so frustrated that I was like crying. And like, I haven't felt so angry to the point where I felt like I had to like throw something. So I was just like finding stuff to like throw across the road, throw like lotion bottles or something. Mm. Um, But I just had so much, like, pent-up energy and pent-up, like, rage, basically, that Mm. in the moment, I still felt like, no, I understand, like, where they're coming from. And I was, like, still rationalizing, even though I was ready to, like, throw my computer, like, out the window, basically. I was so mad. Mm. And then, you know, I kind of thought about, like, all right, what would my therapist say in this situation? You know, I'm really grateful I was able to, like, access that. But then I was, then, you know, I remembered what she said about affirming what you feel. And then I was like, wow, that was so fucked up what they said. I can't believe they said that to me. And once I started, I like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop. Just, it all came out like word vomit, but it felt so good. And I felt so like, oh my God, like, yes, I'm so angry right now. And I'm so pissed. And like, this is so frustrating. I like, Mm -hmm. don't have any patience for this. I just like said everything that I like, want to say villainize the whole situation, like, it Mm. felt really good for me to finally say, like, I'm right, you're wrong. And sometimes, Mm. I think even now, I still am like, oh, that's like, so selfish of you. That's so like, you know, close minded, you have to be empathetic to other people. Mm. And obviously, I am like 99% of my life. But like, if I get to be angry and frustrated in like the private of me screaming like into a pillow or something. Mm. I feel like that was kind of like, you need to come basically. Yeah. You need to like find evidence that you know how to listen to yourself. And it's a very gradual process and it's a very slow and very challenging process. But because we have so many pieces of evidence that like, I don't trust my body. We need to like balance that out with like, wait a minute. I like sometimes trust my body and then I do trust Mm. my body Um, kind of like trying to like playing catch up with, you know, the years and years of like, okay, don't pull, don't pull, don't pull. And then I pull breach of trust point number one. Right.
0: Like Mm. I'm trying to
1: like trust points with myself again by even Mm. like, yeah, even if I'm not sure if I'm hungry, at least I can say like, I can't tell if I'm hungry. But that, like, banana looks really good. I'm going to go eat mm. that. Um, mm. And sometimes, like, I think it's okay to, like, feel like you're kind of stupid. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm kind of like, man, this is so extra. And I wish that I didn't have to do it. But then I realized right. the alternative to that is, like, myself suffering, myself doubting myself constantly. Because, um, mm. yeah, this, like, epic saga of, like, trust versus me you know like you said it's manifested in like so many different emotions maybe if you can't Mm do all of them you know we can like do one and mine the easiest one to grab was like that really heated moment of like anger and Mm -hmm. maybe maybe like you don't believe it like was their fault or you don't believe that like you know, they did anything wrong, just like say it for fun. Like it's fine. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Just like someone else is gonna hear it. And sometimes I know, I feel like for me it always feels like someone's gonna find out or something. Um but the reality is like I mean everyone who listened to this has found out, but I'm okay with that. You know, there's plenty of things that yeah can just exist just for you and like serve you Mm. that like no one no one needs to know
0: kind of thing right yeah yeah oh wow Uh, awesome thank you thank you for sharing
1: it's so hard that's another thing like whenever i feel like you know even just saying like trusting yourself is hard that's like another example of me being like Mm. no you're going through something hard right now like it it makes sense that you're frustrated and makes sense that like you know it's difficult yeah like the main example she used was really about when you're feeling something negative instead of gaslighting myself out of it um Mm -hmm. I've I really like the phrase like that makes sense because I'm Mm -hmm. such like a I don't know I like the logic I like science stuff I like stuff being Mm evidence-based I like Mm -hmm. talk about everything like I'm just a guinea pig in a cage kind of thing um but telling like that makes sense is such like an affirming thing for me to hear. Um mm. so if I'm angry at somebody if I'm like, you know, if I've been like disrespected, if I've been wronged, if like traffic is bad and I like really want to pull my hair or if I'm late for something and I really want to pull my hair, if I'm going to miss a flight and I'm really really stressed, just starting like I could think whatever I want after as long as at some point near the beginning I throw in like a that makes sense like it makes sense why we feel this way you're like we don't Mm. we're not like robots basically like if we were Mm robots robots and you know that's a different like multiverse for us to visit um (laughs) but yeah it's kind of like that makes sense gives me a lot of grace for myself that just like right yeah it's like oh of course you're angry like that was so stupid that was so frustrating it's like how could they have Mm. like said that thing um, mm-hmm. and then yeah and then you could do your mental gymnastics from there but you're starting it out with like yeah it makes sense that you feel like that like of course you would like as if it's the most obvious answer and mm. it's like the no you're right to like feel that way um, and then you know you could maybe talk yourself out of it like down the line but I am um, yeah starting it out with like no you're right they're wrong. Everyone else, shut up. <laughs> uh, right. That's been that helped me. In the emotional department, in the BFRB department, in the hunger and sleep department. Yes. Um, in the eating to take breaks department, too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It, it, it applies to so many things. Huh.
0: Yeah. Huh. huh. It, it, it's like... It's, cr- it's like embarrassing how much how like long it took me to sort of like learn these very basic principles. Like I, I'm reminded of, um, yeah. like my niece who she, she just turned three last week and, you know, go, watching her through going the pot, potty training process, you kind of, you ask her like, Oh, like, do you need to go pee right now? And you know, she has to like figure it out for herself. Right. It's like, do I need to go to pee? I don't know. She, you know, um, and, and like that's basically what i like i think i i learned at one point but subsequently like forgot or like i was socialized to forget like yeah do, how, how do i control my bladder how do i control my anger how do i control my hunger how do i control my sleep and how do i like you know and, and i think i was pushing all those systems to its limit like capitalism was wanting me to like ring as much like, efficient juice out of me. Um, that you know, that was my BFRB being like, bah, 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 you, you can't do anymore, you need to slow down. Um, uh, but I just like was blowing past all those signals and like, oh. oh, no, Joyce, are you still there? Oh, okay, I think we're back. I think it's
1: good.
0: Yeah, we're, we're back. good. Okay, we're good. well, um, Joyce's Wi Fi just dropped out, but I think we were nearing the end of our episode, anyways. So, um well thank you <laughs> um joyce thank you for sharing as always always a delight to um uh, receive your big brain energy um, and always a delight.
1: Is- i feel like i feel like whenever we talk it like brings out the best of said brain energy <laughs> my brain energy is like talking to jason's like steroids like for my oh. brain it feels
0: oh my god
1: <laughs> <Here's> the- <laughs> My best work is on this podcast. Like you guys don't need to do any, read anything else that I do. It's all here.
0: <laughs> Yo, <laughs> my, oh my goodness. Well, my you'll have to you'll, you'll have to come back again then to um rechannel those energies. Uh, yeah. Um is there anything you want to point our listeners towards? They should check out your Instagram, pull yourself uh. together. Do you wanna talk also, a little bit about what you're doing these days?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess um if BFRBs are your jam and from listening to this podcast, you think to yourself, hmm, that sounds kind of nice to talk to somebody else about BFRB and my experience of with it. I do host bi weekly brief support meetings on Zoom and for my Instagram to so like find out the information. And those meetings are like a no commitment bring your vibes, bring your pets, we do pet show and tell. that's the secret like anti-capitalist support group, um, so that's available if you want to, you know, hang around, and yeah, on Instagram I'm always just sharing like my experience living with the BFRP, both in learning about it and suffering with it sometimes, but yeah, if you're ever looking for just like a positive, you know, generally positive learning area on the internet uh, yeah i'm always on instagram and happy to share have to bear a video at any given moment
0: okay. okay everyone check it out awesome bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: cut the clip